All right, so uh, week two in Ruth. Um, so where are we going to start? First John. Ah, there we go. I, I, threw you, I threw a curve last week, and um, I, I think that some picked it up, some did not. But um, I'm, I'm hoping as you, um, as you read, because I, I know, just like Jesus says, well, you know, when you pray, not if you pray, but when you pray. So I'm going to say, as you read this week, <clears throat> um, I'm hoping that, that you didn't just read Ruth, but you, you, you read the, the, this text in uh, 1 John chapter 4, uh, because I, I, and I love the, the, the choice of songs that you had today, especially ending with um, how he loves, uh, because as I'm, I'm listening to uh, the, the, the words of that song, and as I was just uh, asking God to continue to, to prepare my heart with uh, the message in which he wants to, to preach, he kept impressing on me that it's because of my love, it's because of my love, it's because of my love, it's because of my love. And I think that, that too often we overlook God's love as something that we just like take for granted. Oh yeah, God loves us. But the display of his love is just amazing. And when we're talking about faithfulness and when we're talking about the book of Ruth and how, it, how we're, the, our, our theme is faithfulness, we can understand how Ruth can be faithful. And we can understand how we can be faithful because of the love in which God has for us. So I want to read this text again and then we'll, we'll get back into Ruth. And I've got uh, seven points for you today. Um, I didn't intend it that way, just I had seven Ps for you. Yes. Chapter 4 of 1 John, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And then pause for a second. Here, here, here's something, as, as my brother would say, for free. Um, here's something that I want you to, to really focus in on. I think too many times we, we, we look over these little words, and you know it's a big word for me, uh, that, that, that one another, that elelon, that, that, that reciprocal uh, um, um, uh, 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 pronoun here, that, that, that it's, it's descriptive of what is, is to take place, um, not only in one individual, but the other individual, and it's to go back and forth here. It says here, beloved, let us love one another. How do you love one another if you're not around one another? Just, just, I mean, that, that's, that's one of those things we have to understand, that, that God tells us to love, not only love him, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this, in Mark chapter 12, it gives us the greatest commandments, love God, but he says, love others. How are you going to love others if you're isolating yourself from them? From them? All right, so just kind of let, let that sink in for a moment. It, say, it says here that let us love one another, for love is from God. You don't get to love because you decide to love. You get to love because God has put that inside you to love. I understand it. The source of love, the source of true love is from God. And it says, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Well, those are some harsh words. Those aren't my words. We, we've talked about that. Sometimes when we read scripture, we have to understand that it, we're not just reading the scripture. The scripture is reading us in turn. So if we're thinking about, I can't love so-and-so, I can't do that, you can because if the love of God is in you, you have the ability to do that. Well, you don't know what they've done. You're right, I don't. God does. And he says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his, son, his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So, so remember, okay, the whole reason that we're here and I, this is usually my Easter message, right? The whole reason that we're here is because of the love in which, which God has shown for us. 
He has shown the, the, the ultimate show of love. How, what, what is the ultimate show of love in which God has, has shown us? Jesus. This is the, the nine out of ten times, right? That, that when, when we ask a question in church, the answer is Jesus. The, 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 the ultimate show of love that we can say, mm, does God love me? And we can say, oh yeah, Jesus, right? Because with, with the life of Christ, with the death of Christ, with the resurrection of Christ, we don't have to wonder, I wonder if God loves me. No, you know that God loves you. If you have that question, you have to understand that that's an attack from the devil of saying, well, does God really love you? That's what he did in the garden, right? Did, did, did God really say? We don't have to say, does God really love me? And we, we talked a little bit about that last week. Uh, Google that podcast or whatever. I think you can do that, right, Matt? Oh, all right. Or get a hold of Matt. He'll, get, he'll hook you up with that. So we, we, we talked more in depth about that, how, how we can understand that God loves us. We don't have to question God's love for us. It says in verse 10, in this, what, what, what do you mean in, in, in this? What, what is he talking about in this? What is this, this, right? What is this, this word he's saying in this? Well, he, he's talking about this love that, that has been made manifest in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Hey, big word, we understand though that, uh, that, that, that with big words comes big meanings. What does that propitiation mean? It means that, that God satisfied his own wrath against sin in his son. So we no longer have to wonder, is God going to forgive me of my sin? Well, we can say, because of what Christ has done, if I ask for forgiveness, it says he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. How can a just God forgive us of our sins that, that, that is um, an offense towards him? Because he provided the sacrifice to cover for those sins, to atone for those sins. And that sacrifice is in Jesus. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So here John's saying like, so if God's going to go to the extent to love you this much, I know that's kind of a, a Lee's paraphrase, drawn out version, but if God's going to go to the extent to love you so much and he displays it like this, he says, we also ought to love one another. He didn't say if they're lovable, right? <laughs> Sometimes we wish that he would have put that in there. If they're lovable, if I'm in the mood, if everything's going the way in which I think, no, he just says that we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. This is where I wanted to get today because I think that we need to ask ourselves uh, this question. Is God's love being perfected in you? Is God's love being perfected in you? If somebody, someone was to act, ask you or look at your actions, would they be able to see, you know, God's love is, is being perfected in them? The Bible says that here, if God is, is in us, he abides in us, his love is perfected in us. We have a role in God's love. We have a role. So since God's love is inside of us, we need to understand that it's working. That some of you are a bit, a more of a work than others, right? Hey, thank you. So somebody got it right. Mm-hmm. Some of you are too scared because you're like, wait a second, they're sitting beside me, and I don't, I don't know if I want to say that out loud. But understand that God is working inside of us to perfect us. Are we ever going to be perfect this side of, of, of eternity? 
no, no, but we're going to be transformed from one degree of glory to the next. That's that whole sanctification. And, and, and the reason that, that, that I, um, I wanted to get here is I, I think that we can see glimpses and views in, in Scripture of those that, that the love of God, um, maybe they weren't completely aware of it, but the, the love of God was being perfected and perfecting individuals. And I think that we see in Ruth that, 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 um, uh, that display. We can see that display. So with, with that, let's turn back to Ruth chapter 2. And here, I'm going to, to the best of my ability, read through the whole thing before I say any commentary or anything. To, to the best of my ability. Because I do, I have seven, seven um, actions that, that I want to uh, talk about. <sighs> All right. Chapter 2 of Ruth, verse 1. Man, I can't do it. I already want to start. <laughs> like, now, but... All right. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go into the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come across, come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is a young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and she continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. I can't do it. I got to say something. <laughs> I, I'm, so, I'm sorry. So what we have um, so far is, is uh, that, that, that Ruth came back to uh, Bethlehem, that, that area came back to Judea, or to Judah, I should say, uh, and uh, with, with Naomi um, after you know, being gone for about 10 years or so, comes back, and, and, and now it's just uh, two widows together, um, and, and they're trying to find, um, they're trying to figure out, okay, what, what are we supposed to do? Because uh, they have no source of income, they have no, nothing, they're, 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 they're poor, they have no one to, to support them. So, and what we have here is identifying, now Naomi says, okay, there's this guy, his name's, you know, his name's Boaz, he's, he's in the clan of, of, of Elimelech, you know, my, my husband that, that passed, and then Ruth says, okay, here's what I'm going to do, I'm going to go, um, and I'm going to glean in the fields to get us some food. Uh, glean is not a word that we use a lot. Uh, what glean means is to follow after and to pick up um, the, 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 the trails, the scraps, all the, the little things that are left behind by the, 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 those who are reaping. Um, I almost said the reaper, but then the grim reaper kind of went in my head and I just, bad, bad, you know, bad image. But those who are reaping um, from uh, the, the, the field. So kind of picture that there's, these, 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 there's no combines, no big tractors. John Deere wasn't around at that time. Um, but the, so the, these people uh, they're, they're out in the field, they're, they're, they're doing, they're, they're harvesting, and that which would fall behind or that was left behind as they harvest, uh, the, um, the, the widows of, of the town, the, the, the poor, the foreigners were able to go and to pick up, legally pick up the, the, the stuff that was left behind. 
So what, what Ruth is saying now is, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go get us some food. Um, but when I'm going to get the food, uh, I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can see this dude and, uh, and, and see if I can, and I can, uh, you know, have, have some favor shown in my direction. Uh, so it, it goes on and it, she it says that, that, that she goes and he, um, he notices her. Uh, I, I, I love that, that um, as soon as Boaz comes on to the, uh, the field there, he's like, wait, I know her. There's Sarah, there's Sarah and there's Sally and there's Mary. And there. Wait a second, who's that? Who, 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 that, that, that lady over there, who, who, who is she? And they're like, well, she's the Moabite, the young Moabite woman that, that came uh, with Naomi back from uh, Moab. Um, and, and she just, she asked to glean. She asked to be here. She's like, I mean, uh, she didn't have anything else, so she asked to be here. And um, quite frankly, she'd been working her butt off all day long. Again, little, little paraphrase there. I mean, but it says that she came and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. So, then we get to verse 8. Then Boaz says to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that, are, that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. So he, he's, he's seen her and he's like, okay, here's, here's what I want you to do. Um, if you're thirsty, go get a drink of water. Uh, if, if, you're, um, if you're feeling a little bit isolated or you're, you're scared, hang out with these women. He, he, he's, he's showing favor. He's taking care of her already. Then she fell on her face. This is her response. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you, shall, you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? Her response is, okay, down on her face. I, why do I deserve this? Pause for a second, and this is this is something that, that I've been as I've been working through this all week. This 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 verse has just been hitting me and hitting me and hitting me. Not because of what Ruth did, but when I'm put I put myself in this position here, I ask that of God sometime. Like, why why have you chosen me? Like, how how is it that I have found favor in your eyes? Because I know what goes on in my head right? I know, I know me. How in the world have I found favor in your eyes? And, and, and the, the, the thought comes into mind, uh, uh, Romans 5, 8, that, uh, you know, while you were yet sinners, Christ died, for, Christ died for us. You know, this is how he shows his love. It's a show of love. He shows his love that while we were still sinners, he died for us. So if we're asking, yeah, why in the world would God want me don't ask the question, why in the world would God want you? Accept that he does. Because you will drive yourself bunkers trying to figure out, why does God want me? I mean, I've been trying to figure that out for nine years now as far as the, being the pastor of the church. Like, God, you want me to do this? What? Okay, I still ain't figured it out. But understanding that God has a plan for us that just, I think if we knew it, we kind of like our heads would explode, right? He has a plan, he has a purpose, and he has chosen you for a reason. God is very purposeful. I can't even say that word. God is very purposeful in his choosing. Here we say that Ruth is asking Boaz this question, and then Boaz has answered her. 
This is where it deviates a little bit from like my question to God, God, why, why choose me? Because here, Boaz is going to say why he chose her. But Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and your mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant though I am not one of your servants. He's saying here, here that, okay, the reason I find that, that you found favor in my eyes is because of what you, you did. Uh, you took care of, of Naomi. You were faithful to Naomi. We're going to unpack that a little bit more in a minute, but it was because of her faithfulness here. He goes on to say that later on there at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel uh, in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied. That's, that's important. She ate until she was satisfied. Remember, she didn't have anything, but now she's eating until she's satisfied because of what he's done. And she had some left over. Not only was she satisfied, she had leftovers. She had a doggy bag to go with her, right? When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, let her, glean, let her glean among the sheaves and do not reproach her, and also pull out some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So what he's saying to the, the, the reapers there is like, on purpose, leave a little bit more on the ground so she can pick it up. Take care of her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. If you want to know what an ephah is, look down there in your notes. Three-fifths of a bushel, or 22 liters, right? I don't know. That's pretty big, right? That's like this, I would imagine. Like a liter is kind of like this, right? Come on, like mathematics is not my thing. <laughs> so it's, it, it would be like an armful at least, right? Are we, are, are we? Yeah. All right, I'll Google it later and get a picture, I guess. Uh, it would be a five-gallon bucket or so. Yeah, so, so she's carrying the buckets, all right? That's good, I and mean, that's a good picture. So it, but it was, it was more than her just putting it in her shirt, I guess, right? So she had a lot. You all get the picture? I can move on? All right, thank you. Um, now, where was I at? There it is, 18. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw, saw what she had gleaned. Oh, my goodness. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? Did you steal that from somewhere? No. And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man... The man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Now, Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. Not going to explain that today. That's going to come uh, next week. So he's one of our redeemers. Huge implication there. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close to my young men until they have finished all my harvest. And Naomi said to her, or said to Ruth, her daughter in law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. 
So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests. And she lived with her mother-in-law. All right. Big, big chunk of scripture right there. But what we can see in this, this chapter is the faithfulness of Ruth. Last week, we talked about the faithfulness of Naomi. What I want to focus on this week is the faithfulness of Ruth. Uh, next week's going to be the faithfulness of Boaz, and we'll go on from there. Um, is Boaz faithful in this chapter? Yes, but what I want to focus on is the faithfulness of Ruth. And, and I think that, that, that um, it's important um, to, to highlight seven actions involved in faithfulness. So this is where type A, you get your, your you know, you're going to all psyched up now. Yay! Seven notes, all right? Seven actions involved in faithfulness. And I, I think that we see all of these um, actions. At least we see the, the, the first uh, six and the seventh. Kind of, I mean, we can uh, imply that at the end. But um, we, we see all this in, in this chapter here. The, the first action involved with, uh, with uh, faithfulness, I think we see right off the bat in verse 1, it's perspective. It's perspective. Um, wh- wh- what do I mean by, by perspective? Well, I, I think it's important that, that to, to realize that when we are to be faithful, uh, we need to understand that, that we have to accept a reality. The, the, the reality is that, 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 that um, we can be faithful, and God uh, provides us a way in which to be faithful. And sometimes it's we have a need to be faithful. So the perspective right off the bat is they, they knew the situation in which they were in. They, they, they knew it. They, they knew that, that they weren't going to be able to do things on their own, that, that there was something that was going to have to happen that was going to be beyond them. Second thing, this is my, my favorite, I think, is in, in verse 2, we see that, that Ruth says to Naomi, let me go out into the field and glean among the ears of grain after him whose sight I shall find favor in. They have a plan. Being faithful takes a plan. Well, why, why, is, that, why is that something that, that, that I, I think is my favorite out of this list? Well, I, I, it's my favorite in the sense that faithfulness doesn't just happen. I think too often what we fall into is the lie of Satan that if you just do this and you just do this and you just do this, and when I'm saying this, like, so if you just read your Bible and if you just uh, pray to God and if you just come to church and if you just, you know, do the, if you just do all these things, the, the automatic byproduct is going to be faithfulness. No, it's not just going to automatically happen. We have to have a plan, uh, okay, I want to do this, and they're called spiritual disciplines for a reason. I want to do this because I want to be transformed into the image of Christ. I want to be, as Paul says, Paul says, not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We understand that, 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 that there has to be an intention in this. I like this because I think that even Jesus had a plan for his disciples um, when he is um, doing the, the, the David Copperfield levitating up into heaven in Acts chapter 1. He says, okay, here's what's going to happen. You're going to be my disciples. You're, or you're, you're, you are my disciples already, obviously. You're going to be my witnesses. I got a plan for you. And this plan is for you to go and display what you've learned and go and teach what you have observed I've commanded these things, and this is, now it's on you. 
This is the plan. Don't ever fall into the, 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 the trap of, of, of people that, that say, well, you just kind of got to, I'm just being led by the Spirit and have no grounding in the Word of God. Are we, absolutely, we are to be led by the Spirit, but understand that the Spirit is rooted in the Word of God. The Spirit, is, the Spirit of God is rooted in the Word of God for the work of God. Understand that, that, that there's no, oh, I just feel I'm going to do this, and I'm going to feel that I do that. God has a plan. How does God have a plan? How, do I, how can I say it? Because God chose you for a reason. We have plan, he has a plan, and we have purpose. I think here that, that, that uh, Ruth shows that part of the faithfulness is her plan. She had a good plan. She would have not come across Boaz's, uh, his presence, never come across meeting him if she would have stayed back in the house and sulked, right? How many times are we guilty? Don't raise your hand, don't answer, just think about this. When things aren't going our way, when we ain't got enough of what we think we need to have enough of, or maybe we know we don't have enough of what we know we need, we just kind of, oh, poor me, we sulk, and we just kind of isolate ourselves. If Ruth would have done this, what would have happened? We wouldn't be reading about it in here, right? Plan is important. Oop, I need that. This is part of my plan. Plan is important. Without plan, we're just going to be discouraged all the time. The third thing, perseverance. It's another one I, I, I love. In verse uh, 3 through 7, it talks about that, you know, that when, when Boaz came on, on scene there, that uh, he, saw, he saw Ruth. He, not, didn't even, he didn't just see Ruth, he inquired about Ruth, and the way in which Ruth was described, Ruth was described as a hard worker. She wasn't just like described as, yeah, this is some lady, she's just kind of hanging out here, and she's trying to... No, it, it says it here that she, she was here very early in the morning. Not only was she here very early in the morning, she asked to be here. She wanted to make sure it was okay that she was here. And then after that, she worked hard, except for that little time that she rested. She stubbed her toe and she had to put a little, tape a little aspirin to it. I don't know. I don't think they had aspirin, but anywho. But she had to take a little rest. Other than that little rest in which she, she took, she worked heartily. And when I read this, I think about what, what Paul says in Colossians chapter 3. Turn there. I think this is important for us all to, to understand. Colossians, keep your finger in Ruth. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Why, why, why did I want to, to read that? I, I think it's important for us to understand that work is not a result of the fall. Work is not a result of sin coming into the world. Actually, when, when God made Adam and Eve, he put him in the garden to work in the garden before sin even, even, even came into the picture. Work is a blessing from God. So when we, when we look at this, we should, should we uh, um, take our job seriously? Absolutely. Look, but don't look at your job, but look what I'm doing. Look at your do job and say, look how God has blessed me to work for him. Some of you have great jobs. Some of you want 
greater jobs, whatever, whatever the, 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 the magnitude, whatever the level of your job, work that job, not as you're working for your boss. Will you, will you make money if you work for your boss? Absolutely. But you, your perspective, your eternal perspective will be changed so much and you'll enjoy going to work so much more when you understand that you're working for God. And when you're working for God, it says here that you are serving the Lord Christ, no matter what it is that you're doing. Some of you are sitting there thinking, I'm sure, like, yeah, it's easy for you to say, Lee, you're a preacher. That's what you do, work for God. Yeah, I do. But Jake works at a, I don't know, he, like a machining type place. I, he's told me a hundred times. I can't remember. But uh, it doesn't matter just because he, he works with metal doesn't mean he's not working for God. Dan works for Gran- Granger. Fastenal, dang it, they're enemies, right? <laughs> wow. But anywho, <laughs> he's working for God. He's not working for it. And I, I mean, we can go on and on. You can look at your job and understand that it's not the, the, the individuals you're working for. Yes, they have, that, that's your boss here on earth. But understand if your perspective is that you're working heartily unto the Lord, when that crappy stuff is happening at work, you can understand, you know God's seen it coming, and I'm going to work through this and, and, and give him the glory, and he, he's, he, he's, going to, he, 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 he's going to mold me through this because this is some, some nasty stuff, or whatever it may be, or maybe you're just saying, woohoo, this is awesome. If you're the woohoo, this is awesome, make sure you're saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you've given me. All right, I'll move on. Back to, to, to Ruth. Not only... Um, as a perseverance that she was working hard, I think another P is, is practice. And when I say practice, she was doing um, what, what the, she was instructed to do. It says that, that, that Boaz told her to stay among his women. Stay in my fields. So she stays there. Understanding that, that um, uh, the, the faithfulness that is displayed here is following instruction. Now, now why, why do I say that? Why well, I, I think too often that we forget the instruction that God has given us. What we are supposed to practice. Now, don't incriminate any, none of you incriminate yourself, so this is going to be a rhetorical question here. So what is the instruction that God has given us that we are to practice all the time? Love God, love people, right? Turn to to Mark chapter 12 real quick. Uh-oh, I'm going over a little bit. That's all right. I was informed that there's no football, just NASCAR, so we're good. <clears throat> they go left and left and left and left. Some of you are like, huh? Just watch it once, you'll get it. Um, oh, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not knocking. I'm not knocking. I know there's some, some rednecks in here that really like it. Um, but... I, I, I did for years until I was like, that was, never mind, it's bad time of life. Jesus answered, the most important is this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. When Jesus is, is asked, what's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest thing in which I can, I can ever do? Love God. And love people. 
Too many of us, too many times say, I got the loving God part down, but loving people is dang near impossible. Well, then I'll point you to another scripture where it says that, that all things are possible with God, right? With man, it's impossible. With God, it's possible. Understand this. When we say, I love God and I don't love people, you need to go back to 1 John and, say, and see that that doesn't jive. You can't love God and not love God's people. I'm not saying you have to like them all. But there's, a, there, there's an understanding that we are to love one another. G Jesus said that the greatest thing that we can do is love God and love people. So as we're looking at, at this, so the, the practice that we can see that, that Ruth displayed in her faithfulness, we can take and, and uh, make that a practical in, in, in our life of maybe we need to do better at loving, loving God and loving people. What does that look like? It looks different for everybody. There's some, there's some common elements, especially in the loving God part. But the loving people, y'all encounter different people than I, I encounter. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to probably test you and try you at some times. But understand that if God commands you to do something, he also gives you the ability to do it. God just doesn't say, okay, go love somebody and good luck doing it. No, he gives you the strength and the ability and the, 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 what, what it takes to do that. The next thing, so we'll be on one, two, three, four, number five. We're, we're, we're closing in. The plane's circling. We're getting ready to land. Position. Well, what do I mean by position? I think if you look in verses 14 through 19, when uh, Boaz is instructing her where to go, and this is what I want you to do, he, he, he's, he, he's given her uh, this, I want you to stay in this area. I want you to identify with, with my women. I, 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 I look at this and I, I think about what, what Paul also says in Colossians chapter 2, where it says that um, it, since you are now in Christ, uh, therefore since you're in Christ, so walk in him. Since you're a Christian, act like it. That, that's, that's, that's what I see here. So act the position in which you're in. If you're a child of God, that doesn't mean that you walk around with your chest all bowed out and say, I'm, you know, I'm better than everybody else. No, but you have a victory inside you that other people don't have. Understand that your position in Christ matters because your position in Christ is what the enemy wants you to question. Are you really saved? No, you know, God really doesn't love you. Now, the Bible says that, that, that you're more than conquerors. If you're in Christ, you're more than conquerors. You have the ability to overcome any sin that you have. The same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead is the same spirit that resides in us that are in Christ. So understand that you, me, we have to live in the position in which we are in. The position as believers in, in Christ is we are in Christ. So, so, so live that way. If you need help, and I, I love this book, if you need help to understand that better, um, there's, there's a, an awesome book by a dude named Neil T. Anderson. It's called Victory Over the Darkness. Um, in that book, it, it, the whole focus is identity in Christ. If you guys have seen that, some of you have the little blue uh, bookmarks we passed out a while ago. There, there's still some back there. It says who we are in Christ. Yeah, this, this little bookmark here, if you look at it, it says, who I am in Christ, I am accepted, I am secure, and I am significant. It gives all the scripture references for that. If you, if you have any, uh, any doubt or any question about your identity, you, you, you need to go to the source. And I, I love that book because it helps point you there. So if you, if you forget or you need a reminder of that, see me later. 
But understand that we need to operate in the position in which we are in. Because if you don't operate as you are in Christ, the devil wins. Because what you do is you become a, what's that H word? Hypocrite. I didn't want to say it out loud, right? It's hard. We become a bad witness to the world. I'll move on. Uh, Number six. We started with this being the love being perfected in it in us, and I think that it's important that we understand that as as Naomi's talking to Ruth here, she's telling her, "Hey, you need to be you need to have a little patience." So that's the the, the seventh action involved in faithfulness is patience. This is one that a lot of us struggle with, especially being 2018 now, uh, where I can pop my dinner into the microwave and push a couple buttons, and a couple minutes later, boom, it's done. I ain't got to wait on nothing. I can pull up to a, a hole in the, in the side of a, of a building, and they can hand me food, right? Patience, what's that? Understand that in patience, that's where love is perfected. It's not that... The, the, the snap of the fingers or the, the flip of the switch and love is perfected and, and all, everything is honky-dory. It takes time. Your marriage takes time. Your relationships with your, your, your brothers and sisters take time. It's not going to happen overnight. Love is what? Patient, right? It's the first attribute that, 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 that um, Paul gives love there in that, that love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. A lot of us need to work on that. The Number seven, and we're done. I, I see this um, as um, in, in the, these last words, but I, I think also that it's just a, it's a given here. And acts, the seventh action involved in faithfulness is praise. Is praise. Understand this, that God rewards faithfulness. Faithfulness never goes unseen. Some are thinking, yeah, but I've been faithful for so long. Here's the deal. It might go unseen here, but it it doesn't go unseen in God's eyes. So when we're thinking about or we're, we're, we're looking back and like, man, I've been faithful for X amount of years and no one's ever said anything. Your reward may not be here. Your reward awaits you. Jesus says to, to the servants, well done, my good and what? Faithful servants. God rewards faithfulness. Sometimes it is here. And it's, it's a blessing. That's what we call, when we get rewards here, they're called blessings. When we get rewards in heaven, they're called crowns. It's going to be a beautiful thing. So never think that your faithfulness is, is futile. Your faithfulness, it will be rewarded. It may be here, but it definitely will be there. And when we, when we, when we grasp that, we need to understand that we're not being faithful for faithfulness' sake. We're being faithful because that's what God demands of us is to be faithful to him. How can we do that? We can understand the love in which he's given us.